Okay, as we remain standing, let's read our text for today from the book of Psalms number 103. We're going to be reading from the very first verse all the way to the fourth verse. Psalm 103, verse 18, a song to God by King David. And that's where we're going to pay attention to this morning. If you read the opening verse of this scripture, the Bible says, David speaking says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Do what? Bless his holy name. Now, to be fair on David, if you read this scripture for the very first time, without reading the next verses, you will think by the reason of the opening statement that David had come to church to give testimony and thanks and praise for something wonderful. Is that correct? So if you hear somebody say, praise the Lord, bless the Lord, oh my soul, let the whole church help me to praise the Lord. Is it not an indication that something good has happened to him? Let me get some response, yes or no. So David came to church and said, please bless the Lord with me, oh my soul, and everything that is within me, do what? Praise the Lord. Now, this is an indication, as we thought, that something good did happen to David. But I'm come to show you that this is not an opening statement of a man that had all things going on good for him. We're going to see what made him write Psalm 103, and it will be a shocker to you to see a man having lost his friends, his family, his people, coming to church the following day to say, please help me bless the Lord and everything that is within me, praise his holy name. It was an incident that happened on the threshing floor. It wasn't the best of experiences, but in all David chose, no matter what I go through, he came to church the following Sunday and said, what happened on that threshing floor which we're going to see this morning he says bless the lord again oh my soul in other words he's shouting praise the lord oh my soul and do what forget not all his benefits perhaps my soul is thinking that god has not done anything um, by the reason of what happened on the threshing floor so david is telling his soul forget not all his benefits verse 3 let's read on he says who forgives all our iniquities and who does what now these were the incidences that happened on that threshing floor you're going to see very soon and in verse 4 david crowned it by saying he also redeemed my life from what destruction why because on that threshing floor the judgment upon david was supposed to be a loss of his life and so david says who redeemed my life from destruction and crowns you with what loving kindness and his what and his tender mercies so david is inevitably saying there was something that happened on the threshing floor that will have taken away my life that will have taken away was his loving kindness and his tender mercies so david is saying irrespective of what happened on that day you won't hear me talk ill about this God, but in other words, you will hear me bless his holy name. Because what happened could have been worse, but for his loving kindness and his tender mercies, I am here, you are here, and will be here, standing in the mercies of the Lord. 
And so by the mercies and grace of the Lord, I bring you the word we'll be studying this morning that is entitled, The Threshing Floor Experience. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. You join me in prayer. I just need you to say one prayer. Lord, open my heart to receive your word. Just say that, turn it to a prayer. Lord, I open my heart. Help me to open my heart to receive your word. I may be a bitter person. I may be an angry person this morning. Lord, open my heart this morning to receive the engrafted word of the Lord. As you have prayed, I join faith with you and so shall it be in the mighty name of Jesus. Please have your seat in the presence of the Lord and turn to three people and tell them, he crowns me with his loving kindness. Three people. He crowns me with his loving kindness. He crowns me with his loving kindness. Amen. Just before we start, I just want you to help me celebrate the set man, the prophets of the house the shepherd of the house we are glad to have you this morning in our midst and um, for the Lord helping us to come to the realization that there is something we have been missing for a very long time called the loving kindness of the Lord as I went to study I have seen and I have discovered that this has a lot to do with how far we even go in life or Wednesday, Pastor Steve came to add another dimension which come to tell us that if the Lord's loving kindness is on you, what people naturally call favor is because someone have decided to love you and to show you a great way. God's love is kind. God's love is beautiful. God's word, God's love is beautiful. Praise the name of the Lord. I say praise the name of the Lord. I say praise the name of the Lord. I love the instrumentalist, so please play me. I feel like singing, but we're just going to sing that song as the message goes on. Your love is kind. Do you know the song? Let's just sing a little. Your love is patient. You fill my heart. You fill my heart with so much peace and joy. Peace and joy is so amazing. You're amazing. You make my life feel brand new. You make my life feel brand new. Oh, of Psalms number 63 verse 3. Let's understand what David was saying when he talked about the loving kindness of God. I'm going to just give us a glimpse or an analogy so that we have a good understanding before we start looking at what David went through in the threshing floor that 
warranted him to write the book of Psalms number 103. But first and foremost, I'm going to explain it in a very simple way or draw an analogy so that when we go into the details of that story, we will have a good grasp of what we're talking about. Is that fine? Now, in Psalms chapter 63, verse 3, David, having understood what God's loving kindness is all about, as a matter of fact, if you go through the study of God's loving kindness, there is one man that enjoyed it as much as 85% and spoke clearly about it. His name was King David. And he said in Psalm 63, he says, because your loving kindness is what? Better than life. How many of us sang the song or heard the song that the senior pastor sent? I think on Monday, I want to believe. He says, because... Your loving kindness is better than what? Than life. So what will I do? My lips shall praise you. Now this is an experience of a man that have gone through wars. Wars that he could have lost but won some of them. And he came to tell us that I have lived my life long enough to understand that if you present to me two options to choose between life and God's loving kindness, David said I would rather choose what? His loving kindness. In other words, David is saying, you may not be able to go through life alone if you do not enjoy the loving kindness of God. The reality is so simple and it's true. We're going to see it in a short while. If all you live in life is to live by your power, by your strength, without God's mercies, without God's grace and favor that comes by the reason of the sharing of God's loving kindness, all you will have is friction upon friction and there is only a limit where man can go. So David said, give me a second shot at life. Present me a life with God's loving kindness and present me a hundred years without his loving kindness. I would rather choose a 50 years with his loving kindness than to live eternity without God's loving kindness. So David understood it better than anyone and speaking and sincerely so we believe him because he enjoyed it. The scripture even called him the man after God's heart, which means I've loved him so much. And the scripture says, and God did cut a covenant with David, you're going to see, saying that as far as you're concerned, anywhere I see you or anything called David, I will show the same loving kindness to any man that comes in the name of David. We're going to see very briefly. So that's how much God loved David. And David says, because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will do what will praise you. Psalms 25 verse 6, David again told us and showed us how important God's loving kindness is. When he says, remember, O Lord, your what? Your tender mercies and what? Your loving kindness. For they are as old as how long? For they are from the old. In other words, David was telling us, this loving kindness is as old as God himself. So if you've never enjoyed it, doesn't mean that it doesn't exist or that God is not giving us his loving kindness or crowning people with his loving kindness. He says, remember your tender mercies and your loving kindness for they are as old as from ages past. And that is what it means to embrace the loving kindness of God. 
Now let me give you a very simple analogy before we go into the events that happened on the treasury floor that amounted to David writing Psalm 103. Are we ready? Now for a moment, take this for a moment. Just imagine you did something very bad. So bad that the senior pastor was so, is so angry with you. Maybe you, maybe me. So we've done something that he's so angry and so, help me with another word, displeased with what we've done. Now, if by chance you've done something wrong, everyone knows and everybody's surprised. How could you have said such a thing? How could you have done such a thing? Now, let me ask a very honest question. Does the senior pastor have the right to berate you or to punish you in that regard? Does he have the right? Help me here. Does he have the right? So he can pass judgment on you saying, henceforth, I don't want to see you in the choir. Henceforth, I don't want to see you serving. Henceforth, I don't want to see you in my office. Will that be evil of him to do that, will it? Does he have the power to punish? Very correct. So if also you do something that is wrong and instead of punishing, he decides to forgive you, does that fall within his power to do that? Will it be wrong of him to forgive one and not forgive another? It falls within his power to do what? To do so. Help me here. Am I correct? So he has the power to judge you if you've done something wrong. He also has the power to forgive if you've done something wrong. Have we established those two? Number three, does he also have the power, even after you've wronged him, to correct you and to discharge at that point? If he punishes you, will he be right or wrong? Please help me. Will he be right or wrong? If he forgives you, will he be right or wrong? He will be right. If he shows you the right way, will he be right or wrong? Definitely he will be right. So within his power, he possesses those three attributes to either forgive or to let go. Let's assume I'm the one that is to blame in this matter and I go to his office and he berates me in front of the church. And then we go to the office, he berates me as well. And then I feel so remorseful and then he walks me out of his office and that moment becomes the most embarrassing day of my life. Now, will it, will, it, will it be fair enough if I blame him for that incident? Will it? Absolutely not. But I have a choice. A choice to say, ah, on this day, the twelfth day, every twelfth day of every month, I can be displeased because that day was the most embarrassing day of my life. It's a choice, right? But what he did, was it right or was it wrong? Absolutely in his right standing. Jeremiah chapter 9 verse 24 now gives us a clue of how God deals with man. You've heard over time when people say he has power, he will have mercy on whom he will have mercy on. And then he will forgive those who he will forgive. And so sometimes we are so quick to say, ah, God's loving kindness. He will love those he will love. He will have mercy on whom he will like. So I will wait for my mercy turn. Maybe after 100 years, when he have mercy on PFP, have mercy on Pastor Yomi, by the time it gets to my turn, I will wait. Because mercy is what? Turn by turn. So we think. But the scripture says in Jeremiah 9.24, watch this carefully. He says, but let him who glories, glory in this. That he understands and he does what? Knows me. Reading on. That I am the Lord. Exercising number one, what? Please help me. Exercising. Exercising number two. Exercising number three. 
in the earth. Now read. He says, for in these three things, he does what? He delights, says the Lord. So if he pardons one and punishes one, can you blame God for that? Absolutely not. So the Bible says, for God has this power to forgive one and to impede sin on another. And you can't blame him because it falls within his power too. And so when we talk about the loving kindness of God, it is not something God does because he feels like. It's something he also does because you give him the reason to do that. I can say because pastor punished me the other time, I can go about town telling the people, do you know pastor, the way he disgraced me, the thing pained me, in fact, I feel like leaving this church. If I demand disgrace me, I can never forget the 12th day of every month. Now, if he hears that by passing, will he have compassion on me another time? Absolutely not. Now, let's paint this picture because it will help you to understand how God works. The same thing if he punishes another person and the person goes around town and says, ah, pastor, he just walked me out of church. In fact, if he had laid me down and flogged me with koboko, it would have still been okay. But do you know what? He was so kind, he only walked me out of church. Now, if pastor hears that as well, which of these two will he be attracted to more? Which of these two will he attract to more? The one that advertised his kindness. That was the only thing that David went about doing. Irrespective of what happened, he wouldn't come and say, the Lord slew me and the Lord punished me because the Lord was not a good God. For all David did on the threshing floor was coming back on a Sunday to say, ah, if you see what, how God good was, the same God that slew 70,000 of his men in one day. The Lord has power to judge. The Lord has power for righteousness and he has power to exercise loving kindness. Praise the name of the Lord. Now I am painting this so that we'll have a flow when we get putting up a pretty face. She's so too good on it that if she put on that face you can't do anything but to say don't do that next time. She has mastered her art. Her eyes will well up with tears but one tear will not drop. She will bring her face down and then you just look at her and the only thing that will happen is just to say, don't do that again. Loving kindness. So, the art of doing the same is what David is going to teach us on the threshing floor. Some time ago, she did something and we called her and we're about to tell her to go and kneel down in a naughty corner. And then she looked at you and then brings that face. And then she wouldn't even say sorry, but the face is enough remorse for her. And then the older one was waiting and looking and saying, the same thing I did last time. You told me to kneel down in a lucky corner. And she was waiting to see the judgment that will pass. As a father, I have the power to exercise loving kindness. Is that correct? As a father, I have the power to exercise judgment. Is that correct? As a father, I also have the power to exercise righteousness. Is that correct? Whichever one I choose at that time, nobody can hold me responsible because it falls within my power. So the child looks at you with a pity face and what you should exercise at that point is judgment of kneeling down. But she looks at you and then she smiles and she's almost crying but not crying. And then you look at her. Her mother was the one that first fell, fell victim. Only for some time I also started falling victim. And then we looked at her and then we said, next time don't do that again. If you do that next time, we won't buy you popcorn on top of punishment. Praise the Lord. 
And so the other one challenged me and said, Daddy, but the last time I did that, you told me to kneel down in the naughty corner. The, the Lord will have mercy on whom he will have mercy, not because he just spread it, but because of the way you approach him in the sanctuary. So don't think mercy is distributed at will. God will just throw it. Anyone it falls on. No. You have a responsibility to play. If you can do pity face to God, do it. He will have mercy on you. If it's to praise him in place of murmuring, do it. He will have what? Compassion on you. So it is an act that David learns, which we will learn today, and all of us will be crowned with his loving kindness. Somebody give God praise in the house this morning. Second Samuel chapter 24, let's go into the world and study what happened on the threshing floor. I'm going to be quick now. In Second Samuel chapter 24, in case you want to go back to read the same account we have in First Chronicles chapter 21. But we'll stay on what he says in verse 24. But let me just paint a very quick picture by the reason of the intro in verse 1 and in verse 2. Now remember, like let's just rephrase. God has the power to exercise three things. Remember, number one is what? Loving kindness. Number two? Number three? The people on this side are not saying anything. Number one, number two, number three, clap for yourself. Amen. In verse one, the Bible says, and again, the anger of the Lord was aroused against the people of Israel. And he moved David against them to say, listen, he says, go and number Israel and who? Jerusalem. Verse two. The Bible says, so the king said to Joab, the commander of the army who was with him, he says, now go through all the tribes of Israel from Dan to Beersheba and count the people. Now listen carefully. The counting was not the problem. What was the problem was that, that I may know the number of the people. Who wants to know the number? Who wants to know the number? So David wanted to know, have become a great military man. And all of a sudden, let me even know the number of people I've raised over time. The man that was begging God for victory in battles was now numbering the people for the praise of himself. Now listen carefully. The Bible says God moved him to do this. On a very good day, David wouldn't do it. But God had a target, not David. So the Bible says, and God moved him to number the people. So David did a census of the people and be careful to know this wasn't the census of the people of the nation. It was a census of the military men that fought war. Okay, in verse 8, let's go on to verse 8. Now, let's listen carefully. In verse 8, the Bible says, so the Joab went and before verse 8, let me just explain something in between. The servant that was sent tried to convince David that, ah, master, this thing you are doing is not good. But the Bible says, and David prevailed over the advice. And so he went about counting. And in verse 8, so when they had gone through all the land, they came to where? Jerusalem. Now be attentive now. They came to where? Jerusalem. At the end of how many months? Nine months and 24 days. They were busy doing what? Counting. Verse 9, the scripture says, Then Joab gave the number of the people of... Uh, Number of the people to the king. And there were in Israel, how many? 
100,000 valiant men that did what? Drew sword. And in, from the men of Judah, how many? 500,000. Please, someone do the math. 800 plus 500 will give you how many people? How many? 1.3 million soldiers that David had. Now, the reason why this is important is that for every battle to be won back in those days, it was very difficult to gather even 300 men. When you see 400 soldiers coming at you, the tendency that you win the battle is very slim. For every soldier, for every battle, if you raise 300 men, you will win any battle at all. If God's hand is not on the other side. So David had how many people? Had how many? 1.3 million of such. Now tell me, what battle can he obviously lose? Nothing. But the battle was not of sword, neither were they of horses. God brought him that far because of his mercies. Now, let me shock you a little more. The man that was sent to do the counting, because he tried to convince David that it was a wrong thing, did not count everybody. So if he had went to, if he had gone to all the tribes, we are going to be talking in excesses of over two million men that drew sword. Now let's go on. What verse are we? Let's go to verse 11. In verse 11, the Bible said, Now when David arose in the morning, the word of the Lord came to the prophet God, David Seah, saying in verse 12, Go and tell David, Thus says the Lord, I offer you three things. Now David had done what is wrong before the Lord, and the Lord has appeared to exercise judgment. He says, I've given you three offers of punishment to give. He says, choose one of them for yourself that I may know what to tell the Lord. So think of your child doing something wrong. These days I think of the punishment I give my children and I'm wondering, these were not the punishments we were giving back then. You will tell them, do your assignment. If you don't do your assignment, I'll punish you. I'll not buy popcorn for you, praise the Lord. That's the punishment you're giving them. Instead of buying you popcorn, instead of buying you cheese balls, I'll buy you popcorn. That's the punishment we give sometimes. And so God gave David the option to choose for himself. This is a man that wanted to be punished and the Lord loved him so much that said, I'm not going to, to choose, I'm not going to punish you out of the blues. You will choose by yourself. So God came to David, verse 13, and told him and said, these are the three punishments. Shall seven years of famine come to the land, number one, or you will flee from your enemies for three months, number three, while they pursue you, and number three punishment, or shall there be three days plague in your world, in your land. Now consider and see what answer I will take back to the Lord that sends me. Punishment number one, seven years of famine. David understood what Israel went through when they were farming in the land that they had to go to where? To Egypt. And he said to himself, that will mean I will be in the hands of another man. Punishment number two, to run from your enemies for three months, which means I will run from, I will be in the mercies of another man. Punishment number three, there will be plague in the land. I will be in the mercies of God. Now, help me now. Whose mercy will you rather be under? The mercies of God or the mercies of man? Why? 
Because you know his mercies endure it forward forever. Though he punishes for a while, he will love the next moment. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And so in verse 13, the Bible says, give us verse 14. Then David said, I am in great distress. Please let me fall in the hand of God for his mercies are what are great. But do not let me fall in the hands of man. The reason why some of us have not experienced favor of breakthrough is that we are so much under the mercies of another man. You beg men for job. You beg men for everything. You beg men for good things. You beg men for everything. And you do not have access to beg God for anything because you think the Lord's mercy has shut down. David says his mercy does what endures forever. Verse 15, let's go on now. In verse 15, so the Lord sent a plague upon Israel from the morning to the appointed time, from Dan to Bethsheba. And how many people died? 70,000 people died. Give us verse 16. And when the angel of death that stretched out his hand over Jerusalem to destroy it. Listen. He now stretched forth his hand to destroy Jerusalem. The Bible says for Jerusalem and Israel I have loved with an everlasting love. The Bible says and the Lord relented the angel from destroying the people. And he says it is what? Enough. And then restrain your hand. And the angel of the Lord was by where? Was by where? The threshing floor of a runner, the Jebusite. On that floor marked the epitome of the destruction of Israel. And David, having seen God exercise judgment, had an option to cause God to his face and say, how will you allow 70,000 of my men to die? But when David was done with this experience, the Bible says he wept like he never wept and he cried and begged the Lord and the Lord refrained. If you are like David on that threshing floor where you lose so much from what the Lord had given you. You lose so much from what is happening to you at the moment. What will be your opening statement on Sunday morning? Will you like David come to church the following morning and write Psalm 103 and then start by saying, bless the Lord oh my soul. Will you not say to yourself, ah, this threshing floor reminds me of the pain of yesterday. Every time I see this yellow cloth, I am pained because I remember it was the day I wore that cloth that something ill happened to me. Every time I passed through that street, I remember it was the day I bashed my car and the car was ruined. What does the pain and the mark of yesterday remind you of? Do they remind you of the treasure floor of the destruction or the treasure floor of how glorious God was? And David started writing Psalm 103 and said, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not always all his benefit. Despite the punishment that God gave me, I still thank him because he restored my soul. Despite the punishment that I went through, I still praise him because he redeemed my life. Despite the punishment he, he gave me, I still thank God because he healed me. None of this would have been possible if the loving kindness of God was not back upon me. I tell you this morning, this car that you have on your body is not a reminder of the pain of yesterday. It's a reminder of the loving kindness upon your life. The mark on your body is not the reminder of the stretching floor pain but of the mark of the loving kindness of the Lord 
So David came and started writing. I know I've been going through a lot on this threshing floor, but it will not be a marker of the unfaithfulness of God. And then the Lord looked at him and said, ah, this last man that I punished this way went about telling the people how ungodly or unfaithful God is. But you came to church and you are still praising me despite what you saw. What happened to you? Ask me and tell me would the Lord not open more banks of righteousness upon that man? Would the Lord not open more crown of loving kindness upon that man? David understood this, that if you can advertise his faithfulness, then his loving kindness will never depart from you. And so shall it be in the name of Jesus. We're going to look at three things that David paid attention to. By the reason of time, we may just handle two and maybe by Wednesday we'll take the third one. The first one is going to be one thing we need to do. You need to write this down. In anything that happens on your threshing floor, write this down. Do nothing but advertise his faithfulness. Advertise his what? His faithfulness. Psalm 136 verse 1. David said, Psalm 136 verse 1, David said, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for his what? He is good and his loving kindness endures for how long? Forever. One day I was seated in the sitting room, so I placed my leg on the, on the side stool and my kids came and they saw a scar on my knee side, very big scar. And then one of them said to me, he said, Daddy, you have an injury on your leg. And then the other one came and countered it. He said, it's not injury, it is wound that he has on his leg. And they were arguing whether what they saw on my leg is wound or what? Injury. And so they asked me, what is it? Is it, is it injury or is it wound? Please help me, what will I say to them? So I did not want to please one and unplease the other. So I told them it's injury correct, it is wound correct, but there's a word that matched the two together. It's called wound joy. It's wound and injury together. So I thought I was joking, but till today, if they see anything close to that, they say you have wound joy. Praise the Lord. So they went to their mother and said, daddy has a big wound jaw on his leg. And she has been warning me not to be using bad English in the house. And then when I saw her coming, I threw my face to the other side because the question would be, why are you teaching them bad English? I've tried to undo what I did, but till now I've not been able. So if they see anything on your leg, permit it to be so. If they call it wound joy instead of a wound, praise the Lord. So they saw this big scar, not wound joy, praise the Lord, on my leg. And they said, what happened to you? If only they know the story behind the scar on that leg. The scar on that leg, to me, I don't remember the events of that day. I only remind myself of the faithfulness of God. Because it was a day the Lord placed a marker on me to say, this will remind you that the life you live is only but a second chance. Because it was on my final year in school, I think, or fourth year, I was taking a bike from the off campus all the way to the campus. It was something like 15 or 15 minutes bike ride on high speed. And so we were going that day 
And then I was going for an exam. It was my final exam on that semester. And I was going right as we were going. The roads were bad, not too good. And so most times the bike men have to, you know, navigate or, you know, turn around. And by the time he now went to a straight road where he can drive expressly. So imagine a bike going at the highest speed he can ever imagine not knowing that there was a car coming behind us who was trying at some point to avoid a pothole. And so in, in, in order to avoid the pothole, he swapped his hands. The only thing I remembered was I saw the car was white and that was the last thing I ever remembered. Now the roads were under construction. There were rocks all everywhere. And then he tilted us away from the high speed um, bike. And then the three of us that were on the bike, we rolled on the floor for a great distance. Whilst we rolled on the floor, my mind could start imagining, if I hit my head on any of this rock, permit it that the truth is I may be gone at that instance. If I I, if I can, that can happen within an instance. And the only thing I remember say, Lord, help me concerning this matter. That itself was my threshing floor. It wasn't a pleasant experience. It was a very awful experience. I could have failed the course that I went for because I wouldn't have had opportunity to, to write. I could have lost a life at that point. But by the mercies of the Lord, the Bible says, for his mercies endures forever. I may have a scar to remind me but it will not remind me that God was unfaithful on that day. Rather than remind myself of the unfaithfulness, I have come to say to myself, if it had not been the Lord on my side, my story would have been different. So if I have to share the testimony, I will say, on that day, praise the Lord, because the Lord's mercies endure forever and he redeemed my soul. Does somebody in this house have a scar to say? Do you have a memory of pain? That memory is the Lord reminding you that his loving kindness endures forever. Come on, give God praise in the house this morning. I was supposed to give birth to twins, but on this faithful day, God turned his face at me. And instead of twins, I gave birth to just you. Will you prove God to be unfaithful or faithful by the reason of the life you still have? The first one million I lost, ah, if I didn't lose that one million in 1989, that God wouldn't have seen my break light. But here I am. I have only 20 cars and 20 houses. If the Lord was not faithful, will you still? So that threshing floor, it's a reminder that the Lord is faithful and the Lord remains faithful. He is a glorious God and his love is kind. Your love is kind. Come on, sing now. Your love is patient. You, you seal my heart with so much with so much peace and joy you're amazing you're amazing you're amazing you make my life a brand new you make my life feel my love brand, brand new you're amazing you're amazing yeah. you're amazing yes you are Jesus yes you are Jesus 
number two right now. We're going to worship much later. Just This is just reminding you of what the faithfulness of God. Number one, we said you must advertise. Write this down. You need to understand and activate the covenant of God's loving kindness in your life. I'm going to explain this and we're going to stop for the day and we'll continue on Wednesday. Number two, activate the covenant of his loving kindness. Now, to understand this, I'm going to read Second Samuel chapter 9 and in verse 1. I'm going to show you a man that enjoyed kindness, not based on what he did. And that is what is called favor. That is what Pastor Steve was teaching us on Wednesday. When God's loving kindness is open to you, people will begin to favor you. They will just call you the elected. They will call you the favored, not because you did anything, but because of the finished work that the Lord did. You do all your best, but for some reason, some people are singling you out. In 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1, the Bible says, now David, again we're studying David because he's just the best example to show the loving kindness of God. The Bible says, and now David said, is there still anyone who is left of where? Of the house of who? I need you to pay attention. Of the house of who? Of the house of who? That I may do what? That I may show him kindness. Help me here. For whose sake? For whose sake? Is it for Saul's sake? Absolutely not. So if you are a son that is called, whatever your name is called, if there's Jonathan attached to it, what will David do? He will show the person what? Kindness. Because of the seed work that the father had sown. We're going to look at number three on, on Wednesday. You're going to see that you have to sow kindness to also reap kindness. Whatever a man sows, he will do what? In verse 6 of that same scripture, after David has said, look through Israel, there must be someone. My spirit is troubled because I made a covenant with his father that whether he's alive or not, whatever belongs to him so far is a seed. I will show kindness to the person. And in verse 6, the Bible says, Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and and prostrated himself. Then David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Here is your servant. Mephibosheth was the son of who? Of Jonathan. Does he on a good day qualify for any good thing? The answer is no. The same way you and I, on our own, we cannot do anything. We're not qualified. Because if God will be, if God wants to exercise judgment for everything we've done, sincerely you and I are not qualified for anything good from him. Set yourself throughout the week. If God says, for what you've done yesterday, this day, and throughout the week, let me exercise judgment. Let's be sincere. You cannot be qualified. And in verse 8, the Bible says, in verse 7, in verse 7, right? Okay, for David said, do not fear, for I will surely show you what? Kindness. For whose sake? Jonathan, your father's sake. And I will restore to you all the land that Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread continually where? On the table of the king. Now God is saying that you will enjoy some greatness, not because you did so much to qualify for it. It's because there was a seed of kindness sown, whether by your father or by your grandfather or by someone that wherever they hear your name, they will drop everything but to bless you. 
And so if you understand that that itself is a reality in life, that you can sow a seed now that you necessarily do not reap, but your children will walk into an office and they will say, whose name do you come? And you will mention the name of your father and they will say, let's drop everything until we attend to this one. Because the father sowed a seed of kindness. I have no choice. Man will have no choice naturally. They may delay it, but at some point their mind will tell them, you owe a return of kindness to this person. And so we must be careful how we live our life because for whatever we sow, we may reap much later. And the Bible tells us that Mephibosheth ate all through the land in that place. Now what if you don't have a Jonathan that have paid the price for you? There was a colleague of ours we lost. He, he, he passed on some five to six years ago. And he was one of the beloved in the department. Everything he does selflessly. And his work was one of the best as far as quality was concerned. For some reason, he had a, a, a poison and then he died and never came back anymore. And then he left children aside. His good work still speak. On, on, I think two weeks ago, there was a notice that his daughter has just graduated and is going for service. And she has been sent far away, I think far north or wherever. And they start sending messages to everybody. Does anybody have a connection to bring this girl back close home? And everybody left what they were doing, trying to call whoever they know because of the kindness of the father. So she comes every time and enjoys goodwill. It's not because she sowed any seed, it's because the father has sown a seed. But she has positioned herself to require and to be beneficiary of that seed. You may have sown kindness, but your children, we also have to position ourselves to be able to tap from the kindness that the Lord has made available on the king's table. No matter what you have gone through on your own, did he not become a king? Praise the name of the Lord. The favor will come because someone had sown a seed of kindness. Now let's bring this home. If for any reason you do not have a Jonathan attached to your name, time will fail me, I will have read where Jonathan and David made a covenant. They swore and said, if anything will happen, if you die or I die, whenever, which of us are alive will take care of this, the family of the other as long as they will live. The, com the covenant became binding and wherever David will hear a name, if it is attached to a son named Jonathan, he has no choice but to release loving kindness to him. Now, if you don't have a father or someone who has sown a seed, don't be afraid because there is good news in Christ. Amen. I said, don't be afraid because there's good news in Christ. Isaiah 55 verse 3, as we begin to wind down. The Bible says, come to me with your ears wide open. Now listen carefully. It says, listen and you will find life. And I will make what? An everlasting covenant with you. Is somebody ready to cut covenant this morning? And what covenant is God ready to cut? He says, I will give you the unfailing love that I promise who? That I promise who? Now, I need to let you know that in Psalm 89 verse 49, the Bible says, And the Lord did cut a covenant with David. The same way David cut a covenant with, with Jonathan, God cut a covenant with him. In other words, what God is saying, If I hear you come in the name of David, I will give you the same loving kindness that I crowned David with. 
Have you ever got into a situation where, especially back in school, where a teacher wants to punish everyone and tells everybody to kneel down? It happens even in our homes. And then in the midst, you doubt, the teacher discovered that, ah, Lagbaja that I love so much is part of those that I want to punish. What usually happens? He said, let me just leave you people for today. It's not for your sake. You are not good at all. It's because of Lagbaja's sake that you were what? You were let go. The same way God is saying, there is a sake of whose name I'm going to allow my loving kindness to come upon you. You may not have a Jonathan, but I'm going to introduce you to someone in whose name, if you come, the Lord will open his loving kindness to you. Whether by revelation or not, there is a man that activated the sure mercies of David who was blind. He stayed on the one spot for a long time. His stretching floor of pain, his stretching floor of blindness for a very long time. Cause God, he will not cause God. But he knows that one day the Lord will deliver and come visiting if he have understanding of the covenant that God caught with David. The Bible says in Luke 18 verse 35, the story goes that Jesus was going to a town. As Jesus was going to a town, the Bible says this happened as he was coming near Jericho. That there was a certain blind man that sat on the road doing what? Begging. Going on. If you watch it, it will blow or it will reduce his lifespan. There will be lights that we are struggling for and he will say, don't watch TV. And then my older brother, we went outside to play and by the time we came back in, my younger brother and I, we saw the man relaxing and watching one movie on NTA Channel 5. Just watching lavishly against the instruction of our father. And then we sat down to watch with him and he told us to go inside. We said, we are going nowhere. We'll watch this movie together. He says he's going to beat us. I said, if you don't allow us to watch the TV, we'll tell our father that you are watching a movie on NTA Channel 5. He said, but I have to finish this movie. He said, you can finish it. But on one, he said, he now came with a, let's say, a covenant. He said, throughout this week, let me finish watching this movie. And the meat that is allocated to me, both of you will share it for one week. We look ourselves and say, this man has been eating the lion's share. If this is an opportunity, we will key into it. So we caught covenant, we agreed one week. He said yes, and then we parted ways. On the dining table, every time when it's time to share meat, he will now form firstborn, want to share meat anyhow. We'll just do our hands channel five. So when he hears five, he knows what we mean. Every other person on the table will not understand the meaning of five. Just between me and him who caught the covenant. So when we say channel five, he will just look at us. And then roll his tongue and roll his tongue and say, because I've cut a covenant, uh, he, would just, he would stand up. My mother would say, you're not eating me. I know, let the small boys eat the meat. <laughs> it is not about the small boys. It's because there was a covenant that was caught that anywhere he hears five, he would do what? Relinquish his loving kindness on us. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So the same way David anywhere, when he hears the name Jonathan, what will he do? He will stand still to attend to whoever comes in that way. The Bible says, and God did cut a covenant with David and said, whoever comes in the lineage of David, I will show my loving kindness even when he's not qualified or doesn't have anyone who has sown a seed of loving kindness. Now remember we are from the seed of Abraham because of what? Because we've alienated ourselves with Jesus the Christ. Is that correct? I say, is that correct? Now the Bible says, and they said to him, 
that Jesus Christ of Nazareth is passing by. And he said, I'm sure by whether by revelation, I don't know. But Jesus Christ of Nazareth is not enough to command Jesus or remind him of his loving kindness. Give me a name, Jesus says, that will remind me of who I have caught my covenant with. And the Bible says, the man said, Jesus is passing. They say yes. And the Bible says in verse 38, when Jesus was passing by, the man by revelation, I do not know, but he understands that if I can mention the name David in which Jesus caught a covenant, perhaps Jesus will respect that covenant that he caught with David and have mercy on me for I've stayed too long on my threshing floor. And the Bible says that when Jesus was passing by, the man called and cried out on the name. He did not say Jesus of Nazareth because Nazareth doesn't remind him of a covenant that he caught. But the Bible says, and he cried out with a loud voice and said, I don't have anyone like Jonathan that I've caught covenant with. But since I'm from this lineage, I say, Jesus Christ, son of David, have what? Mercy on me. Jesus passing say, ah, I hear David in my name. And I remember I caught covenant with David. If any blind man have called the name of Jonathan, Jesus will not turn. They told him in the next verse, shut your mouth because you are shouting. I told this Jesus Christ of Nazareth, but this man saying to himself, I know Jonathan, I know Jesus, and I know what he did with David. And the Bible says in the next verse again, he shouted even louder. And it says, Jesus Christ. And when they were warned, he said, Jesus Christ, son of David, have mercy on me. The Bible says, and Jesus hearing that, the scripture says he stood still. There is someone that have activated a covenant that I caught with David, which the scripture called the sure mercies of David, which Jesus said, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy on. If you understand what you have in Christ, you won't call him by what you don't want. But if you want the sure mercies of David, you can cry out to him in that name. I may not be qualified to have a Jonathan speak for me, but I have the name of Jesus speaking for me via the sure mercies of David. And the Bible says, and Jesus stood still and said, what do you want from me? The man said, I've been on this threshing floor long enough. Receive, give me back my son. And Jesus says, by the reason of the sure message of David, you are healed this morning. This morning, I don't know whose name you cry, but there's a covenant we have in Christ by the sure message of David. God will visit me again and God will visit you again. Stand on your feet and let's sing and worship the Lord because his love is kind. Your love is kind. Come on, let's sing now. I just want you to remind, remember, remind yourself of every scar. You feel my and sing with the Lord this moment. With so much peace, with so much peace and joy. You're amazing. Advertise His faithfulness this moment. Advertise his faithfulness this moment. You are saved. Hallelujah. 
Just begin to remind yourself of every scar. Just give him praise. Advertise him for everything. Just give him praise. Seal a covenant with him. Just give him praise. Worship him. Just give him praise. Glory be to the name of the Lord. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. And so Lord in heaven we thank you. Because you've reminded us of your loving kindness that endures forever. We thank you because we are not faithful enough to stand before you. We want to understand that if truly had not been God on our side, we wouldn't have been standing here. But because of your faithfulness and kindness and the sure mercies of David, which you have shown and lavished by your loving kindness, we come to give you praise. We say your name be glorified. Thank you, sweet Holy Spirit, because this week your loving kindness will entertain us. For this week you will crown us with your loving kindness. This week will be favored all round. This week your mercies will be all around us. Thank you, sweet Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name we are praying. Somebody come and give God praise for the word this morning. The name of the Lord be praised. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. God bless you.